Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 19. And today, I'm going to be teaching you, once again, what the Bible says. And today, it's going to be about God and divorce. Now, now last week, we started our series on marriage matters. Marriage matters. And um, we dealt with God's definition of marriage. We talked about what God's Word said about marriage and what God's Word said about, about relationships. And today, we're going to talk about what God's Word says about divorce and remarriage. Now, today we're discussing a sensitive and often misunderstood subject this subject of divorce and remarriage. And there are few topics that bring more, I don't know if the word confusion is the right word, but that stir up enough emotion, that stir up more emotion than the subject of divorce and remarriage. It's a difficult subject. And I think the reason that it's such a difficult subject is because it's so painful for so many people. If you have never been through a divorce, then you have never experienced the death where no one dies. I said, if you have never been through a divorce, you have never experienced the death where no one dies. But I can attest to the fact that there is healing. That God will help you heal if you let Him. There is hope. Look at your neighbor and say, there is hope. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse number 3. The Bible says this, The Pharisees also came unto Jesus, tempting Him and saying unto Him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Jesus answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain, or both of them, shall become one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain or two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So they said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And Jesus said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. And his disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. Jesus said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. Holy Spirit, help me today. This is going to be a healing message. You're going to hear some things that you probably have never heard before when it comes to what God's Word says about divorce and remarriage. 
First of all, I want to kind of lay the groundwork by saying this. God hates sin but loves the sinner. God hates divorce but loves the divorcee. Why does God hate hate divorce? First of all, God hates the process of divorce. He hates the war. He hates the lawyers, the courts, the moving in, the moving out. He doesn't hate the lawyers themselves, but you understand what I'm saying. He hates the need for them because of the broken relationship. God hates the products of divorce. What is the product of divorce? It's broken hearts. It's broken homes. It's single moms and single dads who struggle to make it from day to day. God doesn't like that. He hates it. God hates the picture of divorce. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible teaches us that marriage is a picture of the church. God hates the picture of divorce because it's a picture of fragmentation. Thank you, Steve, for that background. That's a perfect background for this. God hates the breaking that divorce causes. God hates the pain of divorce. Children without both parents at home. Sleepless nights. Wondering how in the world are they doing for, for men getting up in the middle of the night to go check on the children in the first few weeks and to all of a sudden get completely awake and then realize, wait a minute, I'm not even at home. The kids are not down the hall anymore. For the women who are saying, oh my goodness, how in the world am I going to make ends meet? And, and, and the kids are just caught in this vicious cycle in between and they are ripped and pulled and hurt. God hates that. He hates the pain that that causes. But God still loves the people of divorce. And God still wants to bring healing in the midst of divorce. You see, divorce or marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. I told you this last week. You sign a contract, you cut a covenant. You can erase a contract with an eraser, but you can't erase a scar. So, marriage and divorce marks you for life. You will never be the same again. First of all, you're never going to be the same again as soon as you say, I do. The minute you say, I do, you can just kiss goodbye all those preconceived ideas of the way marriage is going to be. Because men think, wow, I got myself a wife now. She's going to cook for me. She's going to clean for me. She's going to get my house clean and all that other stuff, you know, that goes along with, oh, hallelujah, praise God. And the woman's thinking, man, I got somebody to help me. They're going to provide for me. They're going to help me clean the house. They're going to help me cook. They're going to all this kind. And for some reason, all that just doesn't work out the way. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. It's 100-100. Okay, now... The Word of God speaks to this issue in in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 3, verses number 3 through 6. Let's just work on that right now. The Pharisees came to Jesus, tempting Him, saying to Him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Jesus answered them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made him male and female? And He said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 
Wherefore they are no more two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. There were two rival schools of thought in Phariseeism. There were two of them. One was Hillel's uh, and one was Shammai. And one was very liberal and one was very conservative. One taught that divorce could occur for any reason. That was the liberals. It's like no-fault divorce. We've got that here in Florida. No-fault divorce. And then the other was taught that it was just limited to sexual sin. Now let me tell you something. Both of those lines of thought are wrong according to the Scripture. It's not... You can't just get divorced for any reason according to the Scripture. That's number one. And number two, it's not just limited to sexual sin. That's one of the reasons, but it's not just limited. And I'll show that to you in the Scripture in a little while. Listen to this. The Pharisees asked Jesus a divorce question and He gave them a marriage answer. Did you hear me? He asked them a divorce question. He gave them a marriage answer. Why? Because you cannot understand the seriousness of divorce if you don't understand the sanctity of marriage. The sanctity of marriage. The word sanctity comes from the word sanctify, which means to set apart for a specific purpose. So when we talk about the sanctity of marriage, we're talking about God setting me apart for one woman in God's plan, eternal plan, for the rest of my life. Doesn't always work that way, but that's God's original plan. And that is the sanctity of marriage. One man for one woman. And Jesus affirmed this. Now, we prioritize one another by submitting to God's plan through leaving the nest. I told my wife, I said, if I'm going to get in trouble anywhere Sunday, it's right here. It's right here. Because some people don't agree with what I'm getting ready to teach, but it's the Word. The Bible said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. When you get married, you need your own home. I don't think anybody gets married expecting to get divorced. In fact, we go into marriage thinking that this is going to be wonderful, this is going to be great, this is going to be, it's going to be life-giving, and, and it's, it's just wonderful. I finally found the person who completes me. This is wonderful, this is great. But if you want to start causing trouble, move in with somebody. Or let somebody move in with you right after you get married. Do I have to explain this? Married people need their privacy, especially newlyweds. They need their privacy. Ray Stevens, that's all I need to say. <laughs> they need their privacy. If you want to create problems, then try community living. It's not going to work. Now, why did God address this to the man? 
Because, I mean, we realize it's mankind and they're supposed to leave each other and, and, or leave their, both of their parents and, and cleave to each other. But the Bible specifically says, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So why did God address this mainly to the man? Here's the reason. I think it's because it's in man to provide and protect and to take care. And as a son... The longer you stay home into adulthood, the more stuck you get. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because your paternal family starts relying on you more and more because you have this natural thing inside of you that says I have to protect and provide and take care of everybody that I love. And so you stay home, and you stay home too long. And when you stay home too long, then what was intended for your wife gets spread out over the entire paternal family. What if you could take all of that love and all of that effort and and just channel it towards her? Think about this. I'm not saying it's sin... I'm saying it's not good. The Word of God says that when you get married, a man should leave his father and mother and should cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. So there is a priority or a pecking order or however you want to put it in the Scripture. It goes like this. God's number one. Your spouse is number two. Your family is number three. Your job is number four. And everything else falls under that. Your relationship with God is number one. Your relationship with your spouse is number two. Say it with me. God, number one. one. Spouse, number two. two. Family, number three. three. You never do it like this. God, kids, wife. God, kids, husband. That don't work because you have messed up God's divine order. So it's God... It's your spouse, then it's your family, then it's your job, and then everything else falls under that. Now, the Bible said they shall become one flesh. The process of becoming one requires sacrifice. Passion doesn't just happen. It takes planning. It takes effort on both parties' part. And let me say this. As you get older in your relationship, it takes more work. It takes more work. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm sorry. I've got Steve in this eyeball and Tim in that eyeball, and they're looking at each other just grinning going... <laughs> it's messing me up. It's not because you don't want to be closer. Sometimes you've just been through too much stuff. Sometimes you've battled too many battles. Sometimes you've been through and you've had too many people. Listen, you've had too many people speaking into your life. I'll give you advice here and I'll give you advice here and I'll give you... You know what? A lot of people can't give you advice because they've never been where you are, let alone where you're going. And so you got to be careful who you let speak into your life. So passion doesn't just happen. It takes planning and effort. And as you get older, sometimes it takes a little more work. Now, how do I do that? Passion requires time. That means 
after you get married, you still need to keep dating. You know what my wife did yesterday? She said, honey, can we go eat? I said, sure. I said, where do you want to go? And she told me where she wanted to go. We were in the car and it was just her and me. And she said, run me by the house, I need to change. I said, well, I'll sit in the car while you change. So I sat there for about 10 minutes, and then she comes just walking down the drive. <laughs> she was all dressed up and all gorgeous and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, sweet Jesus. She gets in the car, and we're driving down the road, and she reaches over and pats me, and she says, we get to go on a date. You know what that was? That, that was, first of all, I'm glad we're doing this. And secondly, it was, you don't do this enough. I mean, they're, 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 you know, but, but see, that's what we need to, and so it requires dinners. Passion requires time together. Vacation. Vacation. You need to spend time with your spouse. I'm talking about minus the kids. Okay? We're trying, we're trying to keep these marriages together. You need to spend time with your spouse minus the kids. You need to be able to look into his eyes. He needs to be able to look into your eyes. You guys need to be able to create that that connection. If you don't watch it, the kids will become the CEOs of your life. They'll take over your entire life. And you know what? There's nothing your kid needs more than for you to stay in that leadership position. They need your love. They need the security of it. You need time with one another. So go on vacation. Well, I can't afford vacation. Go on a 24-hour vacation. Just take off somewhere. Throw a tent in the back of the car. Get yourself some hot dogs. Go out in the woods. I mean, some of these ladies are like, yeah, right. I'm talking like a guy now. But what I'm saying, the point that I'm trying to make is you can even do a staycation. You can do a staycation. I told Donna, I said, after we get this house done over here and we get moved in and everything settles down, I said, we're taking about a three or four day staycation. She's like, okay. What that means is you stay home so you don't have to pay a motel bill and then when you get up in the morning, you get out of Dodge for the day. You go spend time on the beach or you go, or you go walk through the mall or you go watch a movie or you do something like that. Well, I can't afford to eat out all. Then fix yourself some sandwiches. And put them in the cooler in the back of the car. Go spend some time in the park. There, there, there is no good excuse for not spending time together. Got to spend time together. Okay? Passion requires time. Dinners, vacation, movies at home with buttered popcorn. Right, Donna? Buttered popcorn. <laughs> Weekend rides. Beautiful sunsets. My goodness, look where we live. Beautiful sunsets. Passion doesn't happen, just happen, we build it. You build passion. Now, verse number 6, here's what the Bible said. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. No man can take apart what God has put together. There's a whole lot of people today that are standing up making vows... And they're making all of these vows and, these, and, and they're saying, you know, till death do us part and all this kind of stuff. And they're saying, I want you to bless it. I want you to bless it. I want you to bless it. Well, we try through marriage counseling, don't we, Dr. John? We try to help people. In fact, there are times we try to talk people out of getting married. 
And most of the time when we try to talk people out of getting married, within six months to a year after they're married, they end up broken up and things like that. We try to talk them out. But when we see something that is sanctioned by God, when we see something that is put together by God, then we encourage that. And so, and so um, God designed marriage to be permanent. In God's, the Bible said from the beginning it wasn't so for them to be apart. God designed it to be permanent. Divorce was never in God's original plan. It was never in God's original plan. So here's the big question. If it wasn't in God's plan, and if God hates it, and God doesn't like it, and all of that kind of stuff, then why does He allow it? Well, I submit to you that there are many things in this earth. Sickness, disease, domestic violence, rebellion, all of those types of of things, rebellion against the Word of God. Divorces in the earth today, the same reason that sickness and disease and domestic violence and rebellion, it's in the, in the earth today because of sin. Sin opened the door to separation. Sin separates man from God and that pattern flows down into humanity creating separation between man and wife and parents and children and the list goes on. Sin opened the door to separation. And so it's not so much that God allowed it, it's that, it's that it was an act of the human will where sin was that opened the door for separation and divorce, listen to me very carefully, divorce is a symptom of that spirit. It's a symptom of that spirit. Now, there's a large misunderstanding today in the church over Divorce and, and remarriage. And for, and, and for the most part, it's not so much divorce as it is remarriage. The legalists teach that divorce is almost the unpardonable sin. Almost, I mean, they're like, my goodness, you got divorced. Now you can't teach Sunday school. Now you can't preach. Now you can't be credentialed. Now you can't do this and you because you got divorced. You kill her, but you can't divorce her. Hello? The liberals teach that divorce and remarriage is no big deal at all. Oh, it, it, it just didn't work out, you know. It's really not my fault. It's really not her fault. It, it just didn't work out. We just couldn't get along. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go on the Internet here and we're going to print some stuff out. It's called a no-fault divorce. And I'm going to sign it. She's going to sign it. We're going to get it notarized. We're going to file it. And six months later, que sera, sera. Hello. Goodbye. And they, and, they think it's, and they think it's okay. And it's not because there's a difference between dating and divorce. If that's the life you want, then date. But don't stand and look at a woman or a woman look at a man and say, I do without meaning it till death do us part. Now, in the Old Testament, a man could write his wife a bill of divorcement simply if she became unclean and fell out of favor. Look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 1. It says, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of the house. That's under the law. That's, 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 
this was the problem with the law. The law always went to extremes. Now, it, extremity was necessary because God was trying to reestablish Himself with Israel at that time, but that's the way it was under the law. In other words, this woman could spend her life. She could bear children. She could do all of these kinds of things and walk across in front of her husband and if he, if she fell out of favor and he deemed her to be unclean, he would just write her a bill of divorcement and say goodbye and she would have to literally walk out of the house after all of those years. Wasn't fair, wasn't right, but that's the way it was under the law. It did have to be done legally and it did have to be done properly in order to protect her somewhat, but she had to leave. Now, I don't know why it wasn't that way with the man, but back then that's just the way it was because women were seen back in, under the law as more property than anything else. I don't think God ever intended it that way, and thank God it's not that way today, but that's the way it was under the law. Now, in this state, she was free to remarry. So if he sent her out, according to the Scripture, she was free to remarry. Now... Verse number 8, let's talk about some biblical grounds for divorce. Actually, let's go to verse, uh, verse number 9 here. Biblical grounds for divorce. Let's talk about a few of those, okay? Verse number 9, I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, the Bible says, except it be for fornication. The word fornication comes from the word pornea, and it includes many types of sexual sin. On my studies in this, I just printed it uh, right out of um, the Greek lexicon, the New Testament Greek lexicon, King James Version, New Testament Greek lexicon. Here's what, here's what fornication means. Adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, close relatives and intercourse with a divorced man or woman. That's what that word in the Greek means. It also metaphorically means the worship of idols, which also would let us know that what it's really talking about is how that sexual sins can become idolatry. Sexual sins can become idolatry. And so the Bible says that he's not supposed to put away his wife except it be for fornication. Uh, and that's there in, in verse number 9. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to show you another reason that the Bible gives us for divorce. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Pastor, do you believe in divorce? I believe there are times when the Bible will allow it. I don't think that God wants it, but I do think there are times when God will allow it. And, um, but I also think it's a lot, it should be a lot more difficult than what it is. I think that we should take marriage a lot more serious than we do in the American culture here uh, today. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and, and verse number 10. The Bible says, And unto the married I command you, not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. So God says, don't let the wife depart from her husband. Verse number 11, but if she's going to be disobedient, and disobedience is a sin, but and if she depart, because he just said don't do it, but and if she depart, he said let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. Now, the Apostle Paul, who was a doctor of the law, Pharisee of the Pharisees, Hebrew of the Hebrews, 
was writing to a Corinthian church that was in disarray and there was a whole lot of problems going on in the area of marriage. And so what he was telling them was the Lord says that you're not supposed to leave your husband and then the Bible and then the Bible says and you're not supposed and telling the husband you're not supposed to put away your wife. Now I know the law said that you can do that for uh, because you fell out of favor and because of uncleanness like over in the book of Deuteronomy but now we're under grace so things are beginning to change because Jesus paid the price for our sin. And so we go on and then he goes but to the rest speak I not the Lord if any brother hath a wife that believes not and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. So in other words, don't divorce her. She doesn't have to come to church with you, but if she wants to stay with you, let her stay. In other words, you wanting to serve God and her not wanting to serve God and vice versa is not grounds for divorce. Well, I just want to be in the ministry and God's called me to the ministry and she just said I'm never going to church again and all that kind of stuff and so I'm just going to get rid of her and I'm going to marry somebody that's going to support me because we're supposed to be one. You, sir, do not have grounds for divorce. The Bible said if she wants to stay and she be pleased to stay with you, you don't force her. If she be pleased to stay with you and she's an unbeliever, then he said don't put her away. And if the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let him, let her not leave him. Same rule applies to the lady. And I see this in the church more and more as I just get older. Seems like not, not so much here because we've got a lot of men in the, in the sanctuary here and a lot of men in the church. And there's a reason for that because we actually target ministry to men a lot. I've always said this, in every church I've pastored, I said, you know what? We can go out there and get the women and the children, but if you get the man, you got the whole family. Because the man needs to be the head of the house. you got to fix it at the head before the house can come into line. Now the Bible says here that if the man doesn't want to serve God and he wants to sit at home and watch football on Sunday and he's not serving God and all that kind of stuff, that doesn't give you a right to go home and nag at him because he's not going to church. It's the truth. It's the truth. He wants to stay with you. You need to love Him into the kingdom. Pray for Him. Love Him into the kingdom. And then it goes on, verse number 14, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they're holy. How can the unbelieving wife be sanctified by the husband and the unbelieving husband be sanctified by the wife because they too shall become one flesh and whatever the blood touches, it cleans. It cleanses. So my desire to serve God and to love God And my practice of serving and loving God brings a sanctification or a sanctity to that marriage whereby the blessing of Abraham can flow through me into my children because my wife may not be hooked up to Calvary, but I am. And good always triumphs over evil. And so I'm hooked up and because I am, the blessing can flow on down to my kids. Verse number 15. 
But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. God has called us to to, to peace. So the second and the only other reason that I have found in Scripture where God will accept divorce is abandonment. Abandonment. Sexual sin in Matthew chapter 19 and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. God's best plan is for us to work things out and to stay married. But the Bible said if the unbeliever chooses to go, let them go. And they don't have to go because of sexual sin. They don't have to go because they were involved in fornication or adultery. The Bible said if they're an unbeliever and they depart, I don't kick them out, I don't make them go, but if they leave you, According to the scripture, the Bible said a brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. And it goes on and it makes this little statement, for God has called us to peace. God is really into peace. God is all about having a peaceful marriage. God doesn't like it when there's war at home. God doesn't like it when the husband's fighting with the wife all the time and the wife's fighting with the husband all the time and the kids are fighting all the time and the kids are fighting with the parents all the time and the parents are fighting with the kids and then here comes grandma and grandpa over there to put their two cents in and they're trying to vicariously live through their children the things that they were not able to get, the issues that they were not able to get resolved. And and before you know it, you just have this conundrum just whirling around you of chaos and confusion. God says, enough. He says, I want there to be peace. God has called us to peace. And if the Bible says right here, I'm not under bondage in such cases, if she left me or you're not under bondage, if he left you, if God says that, that you're not under bondage, then let me say this. If God has freed you, by whom and to whom are you bound? Covenant was broken. And a broken covenant is no longer in effect. Now, so we see two places in the scripture where the Bible says that divorce is allowable. One is through fornication and the other and all of all that transpires under that word. And you guys can study that later. I don't want to get into it. And then the other, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 16, is abandonment. Abandonment. Now, Jesus acknowledged divorce and remarriage in the New Testament. Jesus himself acknowledged divorce and remarriage. Go to John chapter 14, verses 17 and 18. John chapter 14, verses 17 and 18. Can we get that up there, Steve? John chapter 14, verses 17 and 18. This is very interesting. You're not going to hear this taught. In a, in, a, in a lot of places. Here's what the Bible said. Jesus was at the well. He's wanting some water. The woman answers Jesus. He says, go get your husband. She, the woman answered and said, I don't have any husband. Jesus said unto her, you has, have well said, I have no husband. Let's look at verse number 18. For you have had five, somebody say husbands. 
You have had five husbands, and he whom you are with now is not your husband. And that saidest thou truly. Now, how come Jesus didn't say, you've lived with five men? How come he said, you've had five husbands? It's because Jesus acknowledged every single one of those relationships as marriage. He told the woman at the well, he said, you have had five different Husbands. In other words, you have been divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried. And evidently, evidently, he was acknowledging that she had been divorced and remarried, divorced five times and remarried four different times. And he still called her to ministry. I can't believe you just said... I, the Bible said that. You know, here's... We just got to read it every now and then. You know, okay. I want, I'll put it back up there, Steve. Verse 17. The woman answered and said, I don't have any husband. Divorced again. Okay? Jesus said to her, You've well said, I have no husband. Now let's look at verse number 8. For you have had five husbands. Jesus said... You've had five of them. Now, Jesus acknowledged that this woman didn't have a husband, but historically she had been divorced and remarried all of these different times. So he was recognizing the practice of divorce and remarriage in her life. And so some people will say to me, but the Bible says if you marry her, that's divorce or committing adultery and all of this. So here's the big question. How is this answer? How come she wasn't living in adultery? Here's my answer. Listen, listen, listen. I want everybody's attention. Everybody's attention. Listen to me. Here is the answer. There is no such thing as perpetual adultery. There's no such thing as perpetual adultery. What what do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean... People say, well, you can't stay married to her because if you do, you're just living in sin. You're just living in adultery. Adultery is sin. He has forgiven me of the adultery. He has forgiven me maybe of the fornication. Maybe he's forgiven me of abandonment. After all, divorce is in the earth today because of sin and Jesus came to eradicate sin. So, Pastor, uh, can you give me some scripture for that? I'm so glad you asked. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not, do not be deceived and misled, neither the impure and immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor cheats, swindlers, and thieves, nor greedy graspers, nor drunkards, nor foul-mouthed revilers and slanders, nor extortioners and robbers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Now look at verse number 11. And such were some of you. And such some of you were. And then look in parentheses. Once. And such were some of you but you were washed clean. 
You were washed clean. You were purified by a complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. And you were consecrated or set apart, sanctified, hallowed, and you were justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God. There is no such thing as perpetual adultery. If you have committed adultery, you can say, Lord, please forgive me of that and go to the people that you've committed that that it's harmed and ask their forgiveness and God wipes the slate clean and remembers that sin, what? Against you no more. He paid the price for the sin of adultery. He paid the price for the sin of fornication. He paid the price for the sin of abandonment. And the Bible says right here, go back, go back to, the, to the slide right before that. I want you to see something here. The Bible said, and made you free from the guilt of that sin. Religion will strap you with guilt. They'll build a saddle and call it guilt and strap it on your back and try to get you to take that saddle all the way through the rest of their life so the devil can jump on, their, on, on your back anytime somebody comes to you and tries, tries to discourage you. I want to tell you, take the saddle off. Get rid of the guilt. Get rid of the condemnation. Quit letting people tell you you can't because of what happened in the past. Listen, if he makes all things new, then that means he makes all things new. And if I've been divorced and remarried and repented, then he made all things new. And I ain't carrying that condemnation with me anymore. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I submit to you that there are people in the Pentecostal arena today that do not agree with what I'm teaching you and preaching to you. But I am giving it to you word by word out of the Word. Word by word out of the Bible. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? What are you trying to say? You know what? Divorce hurts enough. We don't need to beat each other up anymore. Here's what I'm trying to say. There's hope. It's time for some of you... Listen, I'm going to speak prophetically right now. It's time for some of you to draw a line in the sand and say that was then and this is now. It's time for you to say that's the past. Let the past be the past. I don't condone divorce. I don't like it. God don't like it. But He says we can move on from here. There's hope. I'm going to just hold this for a few moments, okay? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to get just a little bit transparent here. Mama D knew I was going to do this. Some of you might not know that we were divorced and remarried. Now, thankfully, the Lord healed us and we remarried each other. But for two years we were apart and for ten months we were divorced. Don't tell me I don't know the pain of divorce. Don't tell her she doesn't know the pain of divorce. It messed her up and one of these days she'll talk to you about it. Here's what we also know. 
God will heal you if you let Him. He'll heal you if you cooperate with Him. Condemnation is an infection, not a band-aid. And guilt is an infection. It's not a band-aid. God will heal you and He will never pound you over top of the head to do it. His love is extended to you. His love is extended to me. I found out real quick who my friends were. I found out I could count them on one hand and when I started counting them, I started dropping fingers. Now, listen very closely. Listen very closely. God wants you to have a peaceful life. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 7, Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, prophesied that John the Baptist would guide our, guide our feet into the way of peace. In John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34, John the Baptist baptized Jesus and God presented him to the world through a dove and through a voice and through the voice of John the Baptist. In John chapter 14 and verse number 27, here's what Jesus said. He said, Peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. That's the work of the devil. And anybody who condemns you when you've been through divorce is a servant of Satan especially if they have never been through anything like that. God has called us to peace. Let people speak things into your life that bring about peace. Peace is nothing missing and nothing broken. Let people speak into your life that brings healing. Let people speak into your life that brings hope. Let people speak into your life who's not going to try to find what's wrong with you, but they'll empower what's right with you. Let them speak into your life and, and, and let, the, let the people, let people who are addicted to the Word of God and what God's Word says speak into your life. I'm not interested, if you haven't found this out by now, you will if you hang around here very long. I'm not real interested in man's opinion. I'm interested in what the Bible says. And sometimes that gets me in trouble. But I will preach it and I will teach it and I will declare it because it sets people free. It it breaks chains. It brings hope. It brings peace. It brings healing. It brings understanding. And so today, I'm going to ask them to put some music on back there. Robin's not here today. She wasn't feeling well. So I'm going to ask them to put some music on back there. So today, here's what I feel like the Lord wants us to do. I, I was just praying yesterday and I was like, Lord, what do you want us to do? And I, I know, God, that this can, this can go one of two ways. And Lord, I want it to go towards healing. And so I just felt that the Lord wanted us to pray for our relationships today. 
I felt like that God wanted us to come forward and just have a personal conversation with God. I want those of you that will come and just kneel here at the altar, you can do that. And some of you maybe sit in your chairs around the front, but as many as can get kind of close to the front, I just want us to have a time of repentance. Maybe the Lord has revealed something to you through this message. Maybe He's revealed to you things that you're holding on to that you need to release. Maybe the devil through the years has has trapped you in guilt and in condemnation because of old religious things that you have been taught in the, in the churches where you have been or in Sunday school classes where you have been by people who has not done a thorough study of this in the Word of God. Listen, when you go through it, when you're in my position, you'll study it. Maybe you need God to just lift that off of you today, set you free. Take away the guilt. Take away the condemnation. Take away the pain. Maybe, maybe today at this altar, you'll make a decision. You know what? That's a, there's a lot of pain back there. But that's where I'm going to leave. I'm going to put it behind me. I prophesy to you that the days before you are greater than the days behind you. That the peace of God that passes all understanding can flow into your heart and into your life and into your mind. I speak hope over you. I speak healing over you. I speak restoration over you in the name of Jesus. You are not what your history says you are. You are what God says you are. You can be whole today. And sometimes we can't reach out and grab what we need. Because we're too busy reaching back and holding on to what we need to let go. And I want to encourage you to let it go. Let it go. Well, you don't understand what she did to me. Let it go. You don't understand what he did to me. Let it go. You keep letting it mess with you and they are still controlling you. And your spouse today is paying the price for what your former spouse Let it go. Just let it go. And then let's just have a personal checkup while we're here. Because we'll be in the presence of God and we'll just say, Lord, you know, I'm ready to let this go. I'm ready to walk out of this building today free. I'm ready to walk out of this building today with the weight of this off of me. I'm ready, God. Now, Lord, give me a vision of my future. Lord, let me know the direction that I should be looking. Help me to realign my focus on you. Help me to realign my focus on the Word of God. Help me to realign my focus on the relationship that I need to have with you. The relationship that creates peace and understanding and healing and health and wholeness. Come on, let's all stand right now. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., 
And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.